Okay, it is 7 p.m., so I ask everyone to please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. To the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you all for attending this evening's meeting. I appreciate it. Um, I do have a statement that I want to read um, on behalf of the board to start out the meeting tonight. Um, we have had, um, thank you for that. Um, I just want to go ahead and read this, read this statement. The Shawnee Mission School District is committed to creating and maintaining safe schools that foster a culture of respect for all. That means an inclusive and safe learning environment. Paramount to that commitment is ensuring that all employees of the Shawnee Mission School District focus on taking care of students and making sure that all students feel safe and supported regardless of political discussion or concerns occurring outside the walls of our schools. That commitment is affirmed every day by our staff and by our recent communications about adherence to board policy regarding political speech by employees of the district. Our responses to political speech at school have not been limited to addressing the wearing of safety pins. We strive to ensure that district employees remain neutral on all political matters while at work and thereby avoid attempts to indoctrinate students or staff, whether intentional or otherwise, with political points of view. When the district began receiving complaints about safety pins, the district carefully investigated these complaints. After receiving complaints from staff members and community members that the safety pins were being used as overt political speech by some employees and that those actions were disrupting the educational environment, we coordinated with our teachers union, NEA Shawnee Mission, to carefully and respectfully respond. In that collaboration, we communicated the following. Although wearing the safety pin as political speech is not the problem, any disruption the political statement causes in the classroom or school is a distraction in the educational process. We ask staff members to refrain from wearing safety, safety pins or other symbols of divisive and partisan political speech while on duty. Unless such activity is specifically in conjunction with district, district curriculum. In reviewing complaints about this issue, the district learned that the speech was being perceived in our schools as political in nature. After collaborating with the, ex with the exclusive representative of our teachers, we determined the speech was political in nature or at least carried a significant risk of being perceived as such and it was disrupted to our schools. In investigating other divisive political speech, the district has responded with similar requests to staff. As a governmental entity, the school district has consistently avoided political expression by our employees to curb any political indoctrination of our students or staff. The school is simply trying to teach our children without endorsing or supporting political points of view. The Shawnee Mission School District remains committed to our employees, our students, and our community. And that includes maintaining an environment free from political indoctrination, just as is our responsibility in honoring the civil rights of all. Thank you. Dr. Henson. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. We'll pull up the uh, superintendent's report now. Several items to share with you uh, this evening. So you may not see um, pictures then in the process, but I'll go ahead and share uh, with you. As you know, we always celebrate when a number mem another member of our staff receives their doctorate degree, and so I'm pleased tonight to share that Courtney Weber, 
Uh, many of you know Courtney, Courtney, coordinator of special, secondary special education. Just earned her doctorate degree from Baker University, and so congratulations to Courtney Weber. Again, she's the coordinator of the secondary special education services for us. Just earned her doctorate degree, and so we celebrate with her. Tonight, uh, we are celebrating... You may see a picture of Courtney in a minute, or you may not. So anyway, we'll see how that, uh, that plays out for us. There's Courtney. So anyway, congratulations to Courtney. Uh, tonight, we're also celebrating. We had a presentation on this in the work session tonight, but we're celebrating Briarwood, Broken Arrow, and Trailwood Elementary Schools. These buildings have been named Apple Distinguished Schools. So we have Dr. Jeff Oldfield with us. Dr. Oldfield, you and Terry Patterson, would you join us tonight at the microphone, please? And so I'm going to ask the representatives from the schools if they would come forward at this time as well to be recognized. So gentlemen, if you join Dr. Oldfield here, and I believe Dr. Oldfield, you have something to share with us tonight. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, Dr. Henson and, and the board for, for having us uh, tonight. Uh, as I watched the students uh, earlier, I think to myself, what will they do tomorrow? Um, I always find it's a good sign when when adults are saying, I wish I could go back to elementary school, right? So you know you're doing something right. I have a letter to read from our Vice President of Education at Apple addressed to Dr. Hinson this evening. Dear Dr. Hinson, it's a pleasure to inform you that Broken Arrow Elementary, Briarwood Elementary, and Trailwood Elementary have been selected as Apple Distinguished Schools for 2016 to 2018, a two-year designation. Congratulations on being recognized as an, as an exemplary learning environment environments for innovation, leadership, and educational excellence. The administration and faculty at these elementary schools have shown that they demonstrate the five best practices of an Apple Distinguished School, visionary leadership, innovative learning and teaching, ongoing professional learning, compelling evidence of success, and a flexible learning environment. Apple has engaged with educators for over 30 years to explore and enhance the experience of teaching and learning. Our education mission is to provide a learning environment that supports the way students live and how they want to learn. We applaud schools such as yours that advance this mission, ensuring that all students are prepared for future success in work and life. Sincerely, Emilio Umioka, Vice President, Apple Education. And with that, I have three plaques, one for each of the elementary schools uh, to share. Broken Arrow and Trailwood. Thank you, Dr. Oldfield, and again, congratulations to uh, all of our employees and our parents and certainly to our students for this great accomplishment and recognition. The sixth grade commission, and so the sixth grade commission, and I'll explain to you uh, a little more about what they've been doing. Members of the Shawnee Mission School District sixth grade commission, previously known as the middle school task force, 
met from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on Monday, November 21, so we could go tonight. This was their first full team meeting, including all 48 members of the commission. As communicated by Dr. Sumner at the board meeting on October 28, the sixth grade commission is comprised of 10 internal staff members and 38 community patrons representing all district elementary and middle schools. A full roster of the commission members uh, certainly is available. I could share that with you. Priority points of discussion during the November 21 commission meeting, including a careful examination of the commission's purpose, as well as specific discussion related to expected outcomes of the process. Consensus was quickly achieved on the expectation and the commission will provide objective, student-focused information and perspective aimed at assisting you, the Board of Education, in making a well-informed, students-first decision regarding services for sixth grade students. In an effort to effectively arm the Board of Education with accurate and relevant information related services and placement options for sixth grade students, members of the commission have formed four subcommittees. The subcommittee or sub-question, and I'll explain that to you, process is intended to provide and maintain an objective focus on information gathering and a position to provide to you in order to make a decision regarding sixth grade services or placement that takes all points and perspectives into consideration. Following a classic jigsaw collaborative process, multiple subcommittee meetings will be held monthly to thoroughly investigate, research, and discuss factors related to each subcommittee question. In addition, full commission meetings will be held on January 5, February 13, March 30, and May 22 to discuss information as a full group. Ultimately, a full, report, a full report will be made and presented to the Board of Education, and they believe that time frame will be in May. The subcommittee questions. What are the most essential components necessary to provide a highly effective social, emotional, and academic experience for sixth grade students? So subcommittee working on that sub-question. Subcommittee working on question two, what are the advantages for students of having sixth grade in a K-6 elementary setting? Question three of the subcommittee, what are the advantages for students of having the sixth grade in a 6-8 middle school grade configuration setting? And then subcommittee question four, what action or actions would a transition of sixth graders to a middle school setting require from the school district? So those are the four subcommittees trying to address those four questions in relation to the middle school commission. And again, those dates, um, the full commission meets on January 5, February 13, March 30, May 22. Obviously, those subcommittees will be meeting on a much more frequent basis than just those meetings of all 48 commission members. Let's talk a little bit about construction this evening. You see those updates before you. We will be moving into the new Briarwood and Trailwood facilities in about three weeks. So before the, the winter break, we will move into those facilities. Students will start the second semester or, if you will, calendar year 17 in the brand new Briarwood and Trailwood buildings. Dedication events uh, will be announced. Certainly they're open to the public. Trailwood, though, we know we've scheduled for January 10. 
and we're still working on the Briarwood uh, date for that event to be held. So Briarwood and Trailwood coming up right around the corner. It's hard to believe that we're ready to move into those new buildings. I'll remind you that the next elementary we will move into will be Crestview, and that will occur over spring break. We also have a photograph for you, the Shining Mission North Learning Commons. You can see the ribbon cutting uh, at that ceremony that occurred. That's all I have for you this evening, okay. Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you. Okay, we move to, we don't have any special pre presentations tonight, so we're going to move to open forum, and I'm going to read this because I know that we have quite a few speakers this evening. Addressing the board during each regular business meeting, the Board of Education provides an open forum as an opportunity for public comment on school district issues. Agendas are published in advance to notify the community of the topics under consideration. Patron comments are welcome. The board president will place a time limit per speaker on open, remark, open forum remarks. And seeing that we have um, a few speakers tonight, I am going to pl place a three-minute limit, time limit. I'm going to have Dr. Denny um, actually give each speaker that comes forward. Um, uh, uh, he'll raise up his finger, raise up uh, his green <laughs> napkin um, at two minutes and 30 seconds. And please be respectful of everyone's time because um, uh, at three minutes, um, you'll need to wrap it up really briefly, or really quickly there. Um, so um, also, if, if someone else has already addressed your concerns um, and you want to, by the time we get down, we've got about 14 speakers, I think. So by the time we get down to number 10, if somebody's already addressed your concerns, feel free to. You don't need to speak if you don't want to. Um, you can just let me know if you don't, if you don't, if, it's, if your thoughts have already been um, shared. So, okay. So we will just start. You ready, Dr. Denny? I am. Okay. Mary Lou Jaramillo. Jaramillo. I'm sorry. Jaramillo? Yes. Yes, yes. You need to come up here and just state your name and... Mary Lou Jaramillo, and I live in Merriam, Kansas. I'm disappointed to learn your decision regarding the wearing of safety pins. It did not change. I have worked in community organizations supporting and empowering Hispanic families for more than 25 years. Since the election, I have heard stories from friends and colleagues, Hispanic professionals in banking, housing, real estate agents, educators, religious and faith communities, trusted by immigrants, Hispanic immigrants. The stories are of concern and fear for the future. Their children and losing opportunity to fulfill their dreams. The emotional stress on children is high and affects their learning. I was here to ask your support to rescind the policy, but obviously that is not happening. I don't believe being neutral will achieve the learning that you expect. I, I would hope that you would still reconsider and create an environment that is safe for learning in our community. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, Tiffany Johnson, next up. 
Hello. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to address you tonight. Um, my name is Tiffany Johnson. I have two children I'm in Shawnee Mission, Shawnee Mission School District, a fifth grader at Briarwood and an eighth grader at Indian Hills. I'm here you, tonight to urge you to reconsider your position regarding teachers wearing safety pins at school. I strongly disagree with the idea that the safety pin is a political statement. While it is true that most people started wearing them in this country after the election, this is not about support for a particular political party or a candidate. The safety pin sol symbolizes solidarity with individuals who are marginalized, those who are black or brown, members of the LGBTQ community, immigrants. The person wearing the safety pin is signifying themselves as a safe person. Anyone who is opposed to racism, xenophobia, and hate can wear one. The past election has exposed a deep current of hate in this country. Ten days ago, the Southern Poverty Law Center listed 701 instances of hateful harassment since the election. When examined by setting in which the harassment occurred, K through 12 schools have the largest proportion of these episodes. I hear reports from my children of things happening at school that I would consider harassment. Shawnee Mission schools are not immune to this. The safety pin fits well within the district's anti-bullying efforts. I feel it could be incorporated into those. Many teachers want to be able to wear this symbol and view it like other symbols of support that are already worn. I urge you to stand on the right side of history and revise your opposition to teachers wearing safety pins. Okay, our next speaker is Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan. Thank you for the opportunity to address you. Dr. Hinson, almost seven months ago, you asked a question to a group of people at one of your super chats. You said, what do we want for our children? I'll tell you what I want. I want a superintendent who understands something as fundamentally simple as right versus wrong. Hate crimes have grown over the last month in frightening proportions. And every gesture, big and small, that fights this is important. That includes wearing a safety pin, something you have outlawed your teachers from doing. Shawnee Mission School District is literally the only school district in the country to have done this. And you compared this to the display of the Confederate battle flag and egregious false equivalency. You are wrong, and you are dragging the good name of the Shawnee Mission School District with you. The Confederate, battle the Confederate battle flag is a symbol of white supremacy, the very issue at hand in this environment that stigmatizes Latinos, Muslims, blacks, gays, Jews, and people of all ethnicities, religions, and sexualities. To compare it to the safety pin is a logical farce. The Confederate flag represents hate and divisiveness, two things we entrust our public schools to protect against. The safety pin represents love and inclusiveness. Your twisting it into something else shows a grievous error in judgment. Just because the safety pin movement stemmed from a confluence of events 
brought on by politics does not make safety pins themselves an inherently political thing. By arguing it's political, Dr. Hinson, you are either intentionally politicizing it yourself or allowing the twisted motivations of others threatened by it to warp your viewpoint. As someone who proudly wears this pin, please let me tell you, it is about humanity and dignity. And right now in this country, those are two things we need more of, not less. I understand that you're bound by a duty not just to the teachers and the students, but the Supreme Court, which in 1969, incidentally, heard a case about the Confederate flag and said anything that could materially disrupt schoolwork was not protected under the First Amendment. I I applaud you, Dr. Henson, for having the gumption to dream up a situation in which a safety pin can materially disrupt schoolwork. No reasonable person can argue that a symbol that stands for love and inclusiveness is materially disruptive. Your job as superintendent is to stand against that kind of a logic, not foment it. Instead, look at what you've got here. This is a legitimate disruption. (laughs) Shawnee Mission School District looks laughably small-minded, enough to scare away potentially the best and the brightest of teachers who are scared of a ham-fisted authoritarian administration, enough to make families who moved here like-minded for the schools. Three minutes is up. Specifically leave, and I'll just finish up right now. Thank, okay, you. thank you. It turns out, Dr. Henson, the real question is not what do we want for our children? It's what do you want for our children? Do you want to forsake those who may really need a teacher when they're in need? If the answer is no, please reconsider your choice and allow teachers to wear safety pins. If you really do know right versus wrong, write this wrong today. Yeah. Okay. Our next speaker is Liz Meidel. I'm Liz Meidel, and I have two daughters at Briarwood Elementary. And I am here with all of these committed people to speak to affirm teachers' rights to wear the safety pin. The safety pin is merely a symbol of the wearer's decision to stand resolutely with people who feel marginalized. And Dr. Henson and Mrs. Goodburn, you have equated it with political speech, and you've dragged us into tricky territory, but I have a story that I think will help us clarify the difference between a symbol and a statement. Last week in West Virginia, a young man named James James Means was killed in front of a dollar store by a man he had bumped into. The man, who was white, shot James Means, and after he had murdered him, he said that James was just another piece of trash off the street. Over the weekend, a young man that I know in this school district who goes to high school got a text from the the young man he sits next to in math class. And my young friend is black, and the boy he sits next to is white. And that text read, you're just another piece of trash. My friend would like to talk to his math teacher to, at the very least, request a new seat in his math class. But he told me he's afraid. He told me he's afraid and that his math teacher won't respect his confidentiality. He's afraid that he won't be treated with kindness. And he doesn't know if there's another adult in the building that he can trust. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not about politics. This is not about Trump or Clinton. The unwarranted killing of young black men predates all of us. But there is something new happening right now. There is a sense in the air that powerful people, certain powerful people, condone that kind of violence. 
Let's imagine for a minute that the friends and family of James Means chose to wear a black ribbon to express their sadness. And that black ribbon allowed them to come together in solidarity and grief and sadness. That black ribbon would be a symbol. Now let's imagine for a minute that the police in that West Virginia town felt that that was a disruption and that they compelled the legislators in their town to outlaw the black ribbon. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a statement. And what you have done is taken the safety pin symbol, which is a reaction to an increase in hate crimes, hate speech, and fear-mongering that is taking over our country, and you have tried to turn it into speech that is negative, when in fact it is only a symbol that is positive. There are parents in this district who are afraid they will be deported. There are students in this district who are afraid of the people they sit next to in math class. And now, thanks to you, there are teachers in this district who are afraid they will lose their jobs because of wearing a safety pin. And I want you to know that I will not stop talking about this. There are a lot of people in this room who will not stop talking about this. I did not move here five years ago to send my children to schools where the leaders equate the Confederate flag with the symbol of compassion. I will not stop talking about this until you write it, and I urge you to write it tonight. Keep talking. Okay. Our next speaker is Fiona Nowling. My name is Fiona Nowling and I thank you for the opportunity to speak to you tonight. And I live and I vote in the Shawnee Mission South District. I'm also the host of a human rights radio show called The Tenth Voice on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City's community radio. And I am an ex-school teacher. I used to teach school in England, secondary school. And I learned there how hard it is to maintain a safe atmosphere how hard it is to get children to trust you, to tell you when they're being bullied, to tell you what's really going on, to tell you what's going on at home so that you can protect them and work for them and give them a safe environment to teach and learn in. And the safety pin is not a partisan symbol. You keep saying it's political speech, but it is not partisan. It is safety for all, not just for people that are pro-Clinton, or people that are black or Hispanic or LGBT, although the great upswing in the hate crimes that have been committed has been mostly against immigrants and LGBT populations. It's gone up to being 701 incidents after the first week after the election. But in the same time frame, they also had 27 anti-Trump incidents of harassment, bullying, and physical attacks. The safety pin says everyone is safe, that I do not care why you are being oppressed, why you're being harassed, who's picking on you, for what reason. Come to me, you'll be safe. I'll work to make things better for you. I know know also that several of the schools in the district have gay-straight alliances, or GSAs for short. I know that many people display rainbow stickers or have a safe zone sticker in classrooms both here and in other districts in the area. I've spoken at a GSA and I was grateful for the opportunity to speak to the students and appreciate the openness and the diversity that you are fostering there. 
And I am afraid that if you take one step against freedom of speech because it might offend someone, you might take another step because it is a slippery slope and you might do away with the GSAs and the organisations that help those students blossom and to feel safe and to learn in your environment. Thank you. Susan Patterson. Good evening. My name is Susan Patterson, and this is for the record, please. Now, for me, the safety pin is not just a symbol. It's a verb. It's not a statement, but it's a state of mind. It's active willingness and readiness to support, stand up, protect, and ultimately fight for others' rights to live peacefully, free from fear, intimidation, and discrimination. Teachers and staff who want to identify themselves, who want to identify themselves as willing and ready to act should not ever be prevented from doing so. First, I'd like to point out, as it already has been, that no other school district in Kansas City area, let alone the country, has imposed on teachers and staff anything similar to banning the wearing of safety pins. In their joint statement, the NEA Shawnee Mission and the school district said, as you pointed out earlier, although wearing the safety pin as political speech is not the problem, any disruption the political statement causes in the classroom or school is the distraction in the education process, is a distraction in the education process. Interestingly, a spokesman for the Kansas NEA said, quote, the disruption starts when the kid walks through your classroom door afraid. He continued to say, it is happening and teachers have to deal with that. The KNEA has also acknowledged a recent spike in reports of bullying and harassment from districts across the state and a release from last Tuesday reads, quote, protecting the rights of all educators means protecting the right to respectfully invite colleagues to participate in a symbolic gesture of reassurance. The release also reads, KNEA and NEA Shawnee Mission believe and fully support educators who are facing a very real challenge to re a very real challenge to reassure students while modeling tolerance and unity at a time of uncertainty. Educators must respond to the needs <coughs> of their students and must do so professionally. If this is the case, and in light of the recent increase in post-election incidents of bullying and harassment, and if district leadership truly believes that politically motivated volatility, distractions, and disruptions are imminent, then instead of generating statements and managing media around a safety pin ban, I propose spending time and resources reasserting the board policy on bullying and intimidation through a concerted district-wide effort. Time.
There's nothing excessively political about wearing a safety pin, nor a yellow ribbon to support troops, nor a pink ribbon to support breast cancer research. I'm not willing to compromise on resolving this issue with anything other than lifting the safety ban pin and directing district resources toward creating an atmosphere and cultivating an atmosphere of inclusiveness and tolerance. Um, next up is Lise, I'm not sure if it's Lise or Lisa Provence. My name is Lisa Province, and I live in Overland Park. I was a uh, graduate from the Shawnee Mission School District, as well as my children, and now my granddaughter attends as well. Um, mine, just briefly, um, I think a lot of what I've been heard before, I definitely agree with. I do not think the safety pen is a political statement. I think it is a, a symbol, if you will, of a safe zone, a safe person somebody to protect those that would be bullied, whomever they are. It reminds me, or it's akin to what, when I was a child, we had block mothers. And so if you were frightened on the way home, or were being bullied, or there was a stranger that made you afraid, or you were sick, you knew what home to go to, that would be safe. And I think that's all that the safety pen is and should be allowed. In fact, I would think all the teachers should be not not in, forced to wear it, but would want to. Thank you. Uh, next up is Rich Hunter. Well, I feel a little out of place. We have another subject tonight. Uh, <laughs> but all important, um, my name is Rich Hunter. I'm the, uh, and good evening, I'm, I serve as Senior Executive Director of the GABLU Sports Foundation, which is the umbrella organization of the Great American Basketball League, or GABL as many know it. I also served as Commissioner of the Shawnee Mission Basketball Council uh, for 14 years, um, which is a, a, a group that is is uh, uh, provided by the school district to oversee um, gym usage as it relates to uh, uh, basketball organizations. I say that only to know to say that I, I know a little bit about all the facilities and uh, all the issues that are related here. We have a number of GABL board members here tonight and, and staff, but given the three minutes, I'm going to just say wave and that'd be it. Uh, but we have others that are here to, tonight um, and, and past board members. As you know, JBL is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has been partnering with Shawnee Mission School District for over 40 years to provide basketball programs uh, to kids actually starting as young as three and all the way to high school. While we have grown to become the largest youth basketball organization in Kansas City, JBL started and originated in Shawnee Mission and that remains our largest geographical group, which is nearly 4,000 participants annually. So we're here tonight representing those 4,000 Shining Mission 
families. And as one of the district's major non-school facility renters of over 8,000 hours. Obviously, tonight our interest is in something that's near the end of the agenda, which is uh, discussion about the new facility rental charges and the increases. Um, we're, we're here to listen uh, to discussion that may occur and offer any insight that we may have uh, that we think that you think is appropriate. We understand the district's interest in increasing revenue from non-school community groups, and we believe that's warranted. Uh, we've had several conversations over the last couple of weeks with Rick Atha and Dick Kramer, the staff, regarding concerns we have about the proposal as it is now and its implementation. And fortunately, we resolved at least one of the issues, at least in the short term for, for uh, the coming year, the 2017-18. But our board continues to be concerned about the percentage of increase for indoor facilities, which is between 60 and 110 percent to be applied in one year. Uh, there's a significant impact of these increases on Shawnee Mission residents, which is our base, our participant base, and at least to our knowledge, there's a lack of administrative procedures in place to implement these new uh, facilities. So we encourage time, further... But you can finish he just up. Did, he time. just did the little thing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well... We encourage further discussion. That's kind of our point. I think that's what we have tonight is a discussion. It's not going to be voted on. Uh, we stand ready to help you if that's appropriate in uh, our resources. But it's a major impact to us of over $80,000 to our budget and to Shawnee Mission School uh, residents. So thank, thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to further discussions. Thank you. Christy Seaton. I'm Christy Seaton. I'm a bit of an outlier here in that I'm from Kansas City. However, we are currently um, spending real estate do dollars and um, for the moment have taken Shawnee Mission School District off of our list. Good evening, Dr. Henson and school board members. Thank you for the time to speak about the important topic of the safety pin. I want to cover three main points. I'll first address the question of what a political statement truly is, despite your attempt to reframe it. I will then address the history of the safety pin movement. Finally, we explore the issue of perhaps some teachers feeling pressured to participate in the safety pin movement. The term political statement is used to refer to any form of communication, verbal or nonverbal, intended to influence a decision to, made be, to be made for or by a political party. The safety pin is not a political statement. It does not advocate for the acceptance or rejection of a political party. America's safety pin movement can trace its origins to the United Kingdom following Brexit. The UK's decision to leave the European Union in June of 2016. Following the vote, there was a 57% increase in xenophobic incidences according to the National Police Chiefs Council. British citizens searched for a way to communicate safety and inclusion of their immigrant population. The UK's resulting safety pin movement, in turn, traces its origins to the Australian response to the terrorist attacks in Sydney of 2014. They developed the hashtag #RideWithYou to offer safety and protection to Muslim citizens riding public transportation. 
Therefore, reducing the safety pin movement to our American election is a presumptive disservice that necessarily ignores its global precedent. Turning to the idea that some teachers might feel pressure to wear a safety pin to be, perce to be perceived as safe, we will look at what the pin does. I have a card with two pins attached. One is a straight pin and one is a safety pin. One is intentionally designed to protect a person from harm by covering the sharp point that might cause injury. Like safe place signs on neighborhood homes, the safety pin communicates an intentional choice to be a safe space and protect from harm. For some, like truck driver Robert Clark of New Jersey, it is a reminder to himself to speak out against harm to others. In a New York Times article, Mr. Clark was quoted as saying, a big part of wearing a safety pin is mental preparation on my part. Teachers should be allowed to declare their committed preparation to the students and their care. Teachers must be allowed to make their own decisions on this matter. It is not appropriate for the Shawnee Mission School District to make the decision for them. It does not imply a political endorsement by the school district, despite your attempts to reframe it as such. Thank you for your time and the opportunity to share my thoughts. Next up is Gemma Raddick. Hello, my name is Gemma Raddick. Um, my child goes to your school. Her education is in your hands. And I am here because I am confused. You've said that the safety pin is political, that it is a partisan symbol, that it is divisive and distracting. I don't understand how you could come to that conclusion. The safety pin is meant to be a nonpartisan symbol of support for marginalized people. It's a reaction to a rise in hate crimes across our country. It's a symbol of inclusivity. It's a symbol of love. This symbol communicates that the wearer will stand up for any person experiencing harassment or bullying or discrimination. What on earth is political about that? What on earth is divisive? What is distracting? I don't understand. There are marginalized kids in our schools right now, and they have every reason to be afraid. We must put the feelings of those most vulnerable kids in our schools first. So I ask you to retract this unfortunate decision of this policy. And if you will not, my questions to you are, will the teachers who do not refrain face disciplinary action? And if so, what will that be? If this silent symbol of support is not appropriate for our schools and for our kids, what programs, training, or action will the board undertake to further protect the marginalized kids in our midst and in our communities. <laughs> Lastly, our children are watching what we are doing right now. They are learning from these actions. What will we teach them about love and about hate? Thank you. Don Culp. Don Culp. President Sarah Goodburn, 
Dr. Jim Hansen, members of the Board of Education in the Shawnee Mission School District 512. I previously sat in your chairs. I was a member of the Board of Education for eight years. I spent a year as president. We were confronted with issues like patrons wanting to remove offensive books from the libraries, wanting to have search dogs searching our high schools for drugs. I can appreciate what you're dealing with, but I don't agree with your position. I believe that you are circumventing one of the most cherished freedoms that we have in this country, granted by the First Amendment to the Constitution. You're all aware, I'm sure, of the Supreme Court decisions relative to freedom of speech and expression. Most recently, a 1969 case, often referred to as the Tinker case, Tinker versus the Des Moines School District. There, the students were protesting the Vietnam War. It was a 1969 U.S. Supreme Court decision. They were wearing black armbands in school. They were dismissed from school as a result of their continuing to disobey the orders of the administration to not wear the bands. The U.S. Supreme Court, in a very important decision, recognized that expression is a mean of free speech and said, said, students do not shed their constitutional rights of freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse door. I submit neither do teachers. You have heard every speaker give eloquent definitions of the meaning of wearing a safety pin. I won't attempt to go there. They have done it tremendously well. You've also heard reference to print media like the New York Times. A recent article which I didn't read but I understand on the Chiefs quarterback Smith and his wearing of a safety pin. It is simply a symbol of inclusion and it is not harmful to other teachers. I believe as a graduate of Shawnee Mission and I was the board member who moved the board to name this building after Dr. Howard D. McEachin. I, I am reluctant to brag that I'm a graduate of Shawnee Mission or that my wife or my brother or my mother taught here because what's going on with teachers? You are slamming the door on the right of free speech and free expression. This is a difficult time for the Board of Education. You're at the cliff and you have to lead. You have to avoid the temptation to be led. Please rescind this obnoxious and unfortunate executive order. Thank you. Jesse Pershing? Jesse Pershing?
My name is Jesse Pershing. I attended Pawnee Elementary, Westridge Middle School, and Shawnee Mission West High School. I graduated from Shawnee Mission West as an AP scholar, a presidential scholar candidate, and a national merit finalist with a full ride to the University of Kansas. I'm extremely proud of the education I received in the Shawnee Mission School District. The classes I took challenged not only my intellect, but also my worldview. I was taught to think critically, to examine all sides of an issue, and to always be able to back up my beliefs and opinions with facts and evidence. These skills were vital to my success in college and in the workplace, but more importantly, they've helped me to become an, an informed and involved citizen. Therefore, I am concerned by Shawnee Mission's decision to ban teachers from wearing safety pins. In the official statement, the district asserts that the safety pin is partisan. But as has been explained everywhere from the New York Times to the district's own Facebook page to this meeting, that is simply not true. When someone wears a safety pin, they are making no comment for or against a particular candidate or party. Rather, they are communicating to others, especially to members of marginalized communities, that they wish to foster a physically and emotionally safe space. It is a sign of solidarity and of refuge to those in our society who might be victims of the, of the recent increase in hate crimes across the country. Regardless of perception, this expression of compassion, shared as it is between Democrats, Republicans, and independents, is in no way partisan. And yet, the Shawnee Mission School, School District claims that it is. The reasoning in the official statement rejects the reality of what the safety pin actually means and instead substitutes the district's own reality, one where the safety pins are partisan and the message of inclusivity and safety that they communicate is divisive and disruptive. I am deeply troubled that, the Shawnee, Mission, that Shawnee Mission is endorsing a, philosoph a philosophy in which when the actual facts of a situation inconveniently contradict our worldview, we can simply ignore them and assert our own facts. As a previous speaker stated, the students in this, in this district are watching and learning. And this choose-your-own-truth way of reasoning is antithetical yes. Yes. to the principles of intellectual honesty that I learned in my 12 years in the Shawnee Mission School District. Yes. I encourage the board to hold true to that intellectual honesty, and I implore you to reconsider this policy. Thank you. Marcy Inzer. Marcy Inzer. Okay, I'm going to try to bump around in my notes because you all know that um, I also view the safety pin as a symbol of unity, and um, I'm, I, everybody else's words are, are much more beautiful than mine. So um, I am a mom of two girls in this district. I went to this district from kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, I've taught in Olathe and Blue Valley. Um, I've heard my teacher friends, I have many of them across many different districts, tell me, man, I'm thankful I'm not in Shawnee Mission. And that kills me. Like, that's horrible. And that's the standard that you're setting for Shawnee Mission. Um, and it, I'm just, 
I'm in shock. I can't, I can't believe this is really happening. And I'm really standing here having to talk about this. Um, there are teachers who are being threatened by their jobs. If you um, know that or understand that or not, um, that is happening. I have a friend um, who's a neighbor. I walked here. Um, and she teaches in the district. And she is planning to wear a safety pen tomorrow. And she doesn't know what's going to happen. And she's been losing sleep. Her students have been losing sleep. They're worried. They're scared. Um, when you put this pressure on teachers and they're feeling it by saying that they can't wear a safety pin and make their students feel safe that they're legitimately concerned about and wanting to show love to, that's the disruption. The kids are feeling it. The teachers are feeling it. You're putting principals in horrible positions against teachers. Um, and I'm appalled. Um, if this decision isn't overturned, um, some clarification will be needed because from what you read um, before the meeting, it said that you're asking <coughs> teachers to refrain, which is, I mean, I guess you can ask them, but if you're enforcing disciplinary action on them for wearing a safety pin, um, is actually unconstitutional. And the, the gentleman that shared about um, the, uh, I'm sorry, the federal appeals court case <coughs> of Tinker, and this, there's also a thank you. There's also a um, Supreme Court case um, with James and the Board of Education, uh, and that actually included teachers in the um, in the uh, sentence that, or sorry, statement that they do not shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. I did go ahead and print those off, and I can give those to you before I sit back down. Um, there are teachers that are concerned, and, and you can say that maybe you're not hearing from teachers and things like that with um, the, the bill that was just passed, I think, last year, uh, HB 2506 bill, where teachers don't have tenure anymore. They are scared of losing their job. And, and uh, the teacher that I know that is planning to wear a safety pin tomorrow, regardless of the outcome that happens tonight, knows that that might happen. Time. I don't want my tax dollars to pay for court hearings to... Yeah when they find out that you fired her over safety plan. Jennifer, Jennifer Howerton. Jennifer Howerton. <coughs> Jennifer. I also know a teacher who was scared, just to back up what she's saying, I know several who just don't feel like they're in a position to speak to you. My name's Jennifer Howerton. I'm the mother of a child in the district. I graduated from Shawnee Mission North. <laughs> As a parent, I expect the district to encourage anti-bullying symbols in my child's school, not to ban them. As others have said, and I know you asked people to not repeat what others have said, but I think it's important you know how many of us feel the same way. The safety pin is nothing more than a symbol of support for marginalized communities. It is an anti-bullying symbol. The wearing of safety pin predates this election and exists outside this country. It has been branded political by those who seek to gain power by dividing and sowing yes. seeds of hate. 
The district's refusal to allow it to be worn is the same as showing support for the oppression and discrimination that makes it necessary. The safety pins are beyond politics. I have seen Republican Kansas senators wearing them at meetings. They didn't cause a disruption until the school district assigned political meaning to them. If there is a disruption, it is caused by the district's decision to assign politics where politics did not exist. Other symbols that don't have political meaning include peace signs, crosses, rainbows, and pink ribbons. I expect, out of fairness, that the district will be dis addressing these disruptions. Yes. If this board sees no reason to address these equally benign symbols, then it needs to realize that it's made a mistake. Yes. Perception does not equal reality. It is not fact, and it should not influence policy. As parents and educators, we teach our children to inquire and to learn. We teach them that it is honorable to use what we have learned to adjust our thoughts and behavior. That it is okay to change our mind once we are taught the facts. I would like to believe that you hold yourself to the same accountability. It is okay for you to change your position now that you have learned the truth. Not only is it okay, it's an example for our children. Yes. Look around this room. This is your district. These are your students. These are your parents. These are your educators. And we are telling you, you are wrong. Jessica Gunkel. Jessica Gunkel. My job in coming here tonight is not to speak the most eloquently, but to share my personal experience. Um, I am a registered Republican and a conservative Christian. Before this election, I was afraid that our country was headed in the direction of banning teachers from wearing crosses. Um, instead, We've headed in the direction of banning teachers of wearing symbols that um, were, are meant to make children like my son feel safe. Um, I have a fourth grader who's adopted from Guatemala, and having a child um, of color has opened my eyes to things I did not previously know um, about this country. And this election has made me um, passionate about subjects like this, and I know that I need to come to situations that are small and tangible in my own community to fight this battle for my son. Um, when, when my husband and I were um, considering moving back here, this is my home, um, from Atlanta, we had the huge hes hesitation that there was not diversity in the school districts. We intentionally researched a lot about what was a, um, a great school district with incredible education um, education um, res responsibility um, that also provided um, multicultural experiences for my entire family. We moved and my children will be attending the Shawnee Mission South High School um, where I felt like they would have that experience. Um, my son who's in fourth grade now and his other children, his other friends that are adopted from, from other countries um, heard over and over again as this um, 
as this election unfolded that they would be sent back home. That was how that was how our children were processing this. I don't think they came from racist homes. I don't think they came from parents that were intentionally teaching their kids this. But I had to speak with with me and other parents had to speak with teachers several times and say, "This is what my child's hearing. Please explain differently." Um, as my son would come home in tears about what he heard from his friends, um, I told him after the election that he could look for safety pins people that um, were educated in this, what he might be facing, and that would be able to explain to him and his friends what they were experiencing and what they were trying to understand. Um, that symbol has now been taken away. Um, I understand that I, I have an education degree. I understand that um, teachers need to be supported to all be able to um, to create a safe environment. I understand that all teachers theoretically are safe people um, but I also know as he grows up, this will be even scarier and harder for him. So I feel like I'm here to ask you um, to maybe move your policy to under the anti-bullying um, stance to where if it's not being used as that, then a teacher can be addressed um, for their pen. I don't know how all of this works. I just know that I want my child to feel safe, and I wanted to come here and, and share my experience and my child's experience with you. Thank you. And our last speaker tonight will be Charles Hammer. Uh, I, uh, uh, I'm not going to talk about safety pins. Uh, <laughs> uh, I must say uh, this has been a great example of democracy in action. Uh, uh, my, name, my name is Charles Hammer. I've lived 51 years at 4829 Black Swan Circle, Shawnee. Roxy Hamill is an excellent reporter for the Kansas City Star, but when the paper came out November 9, I thought she had gone nuts. She wrote that the Brookridge development in Overland Park would cost $1.8 billion, of which the public would pay 30%. Surely not, I thought. Uh, then on the City of Overland Park website, I learned that the cost is $1,826,933,000. The public share of that would be $553,041,000. $553,000,000 from us, the taxpayers, for this private investment. The single biggest loser would be the Shawnee Mission School District, whose tax revenue would be whisked away into what genius public relations experts call tax incentive financing. It's not a tax giveaway. Uh, no, no, it's an incentive to build more shopping centers than hotels and motels and car dealerships and fast food joints and nicotine vaping shops. Uh, <laughs> our generous city councils think we need that stuff more than we need schools. Uh, and I'll quit. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you a longer version of this speech. And, uh, uh, but, but I want you to stop it, because you can. Uh, uh, under a Kansas law, uh, you have the power to stop that thing. And, and, if, uh, you know, and then if, if they want to build it themselves, uh, the old free enterprise way, uh, by all means, let them do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are done, then, with open forum.
Um, so we will uh, go ahead with the rest of our meeting, starting with E1. The approval of minutes. So moved. Second. Hang on just a second. I'm passing something here. Two things at one time. Okay, Donna moved, and uh, or, I'm sorry, Ms. Bisfield and Dr. Denny seconded. Right. Okay, uh, is there any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 6-0. I think we're going to wait for just a minute. Um, I'm seeing quite a few people leave the room. Can we uh, just take a little break to let people leave if they want to well so we conduct the rest of our business Okay, we will we will uh, resume our meeting. Uh, we okay adoption F one adoption of the agenda. Move Some for move. adoption. Second. Uh, Mr. Stratton, Ms. Bisfield. Any further discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed. Motion carries six zero. Okay, we move to G1, which is uh, approval of routine business by consent. We move have for approval of routine business Thank by you, consent. Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Ms. Zila. Any further discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 6-0. Okay. So that moves us down to... Excuse me? Q1. Q1. Dr. Henson. Remind you that back in the summer in August, we started a process engaging our students in the PTAs in relation to coming up with a name and a mascot for our, our additional or the new elementary school in the West Attendance area. And so those uh, names and those suggestions have been narrowed to five. And I have the, the rationale uh, behind those uh, names. We have two that are named after the city of Lenexa. Obviously, the school is in the city of Lenexa. We have uh, one that uh, is named Osage Park. We have one that's named Parkview, and then one that's named after an individual uh, from the city of Lenexa. So the list of the five are Lenexa Hills, 
the mascot being the lions, the colors royal blue and gold, Lenexa Park, wolves, black and Kelly green, Osage Park, bison, royal blue and orange, Parkview Elementary, stags, forest green and blue, and the Joan Bowman Elementary, wildcats, bobcats, or gorillas. A couple of thoughts to consider. One, um, the school is adjacent or in close proximity to Shawnee Mission Park. So before we would name a school with park on it, might create some conflict and some issues. We do have um, several of our schools that are named after the city in which they reside. We do not in the city of Lenexa currently. So I'm going to um, read what I think um, is at the top of the list. You can decide differently. Uh, this is written by a student. The name I have chosen for the new school is called Lenexa Hills Elementary. Today I will be sharing a couple of reasons and ideas to why I think that name is a good name. The first reason is that the name indicates where the school is located, city of Lenexa. The second reason I think Lenexa Hills is a good name because it is unique to the location. The last reason is that the name sounds official because it puts a fancy touch to it. <laughs> The mascot I have chosen for the new school is Lions. The first reason I chose Lions for a mascot is because Lenexa starts with an L, and so does Lions. So it would sound like Lenexa Lions. The second reason is that Lions are known for being the king of the jungle. Lions are very fierce, loyal, and protective. Lions as a mascot would show the students they can be like Lions too, which means brave, taking on challenges, and being loyal to others. The last reason I think that lions would be a good mascot is because they are known for being king of the jungle, so it would push students to do their very best. Mm -hmm. So uh, written by an elementary school student. So uh, again, the others, Lenexa Park Wolves, and I could certainly read uh, that explanation to you. Um, the school will be in Lenexa. Obviously, that's a theme that we've heard from students. And Lenexa is named after Nanexi. She was the Indian chief's wife. And she was a strong, independent woman who was strong and kind to her people. But they specifically say park because of the proximity to Shawnee Mission Park. The Oak Park Bison, the Osage tribe, lived in Kansas. Again, these are student-generated. The Osage tribe hunted the bison. And even though the bison were strong and difficult to hunt, the tribe continued to, to persevere so they could have food and warm clothing. And the Osage tribe wore orange and blue, according to this student. Parkview Elementary Stags, um, her suggestion was not necessarily the students a part of a school assignment, so there is no history component to her idea, but they drive by the location frequently going to and from practices, and they thought that Park should be a, name, a part of the name again because of Shawnee Mission Park. And then Joan uh, Bowman Elementary is named after an in individual uh, from, the, from the city of Lenexa that was prominent in the city's history. She was also a Shawnee Mission Board President. Correct. So those are uh, the names. Again, the um, Lenexa Hills Lions, Lenexa Park Wolves, Osage Park Bison, Parkview Elementary Stags, the Joan Bowman Elementary, and uh, you can decide if you want to do the name or if you want to go ahead and do the uh, colors and the mascot at the same time all in one fell swoop. Mrs. Mack. I move for approval of Lenexa Hills Lions. 
royal blue and gold. I'll second that. Doctor, any seconds? So, Miss Mack moved for Lenexa Hills Lions with blue and gold. Did you say with blue and gold? As mm -hmm. royal, royal, royal blue and gold, sorry. Good. To have the fancy touch. And Dr. Denny, you seconded. So now we can have discussion about it. Great. Would anyone like to discuss? Ms. Sela. I am just very impressed with the, the background that these kids have done, um, their thoughts on it. And I know they were voted upon by all of their classmates as well. And the, the final um, name that came out of that was... Um, no easy process for all of these kids, and we appreciate that they went through this very thoughtful process of um, putting these names out to us here. I do think that Lenexa Hills would be a really great name because I agree with Dr. Hinson about the park might be a little bit confusing if you're looking for a park or a school. But um, so I, anyway, I, I think Lenexa Hills would be a great one, but. I really appreciate the process that we went through to get these names. Any other discussion? I do appreciate the input from the students. I think that's the best way to uh, get creative ideas. Um, the suggestion of Lenexa Hills Lions with a color of royal blue and gold, the similarities to the royals is not lost on me mm -hmm. um, there. So I like to think that maybe this is a little time capsule remembering how proud we were as a community a year or so ago with the, uh, the Lions and the Royal Blue and Gold there. One other comment I have is I don't know of another elementary school that has Lions as a mascot, which I think... Shawnee Mission. Yeah, Shawnee Mission School. Yes, yeah, another Shawnee Mission mm -hmm. School. Exactly. Right. So I think that's very unique to this school, which is a, another plus. I may not know for certain, but I think Slugger lives in one, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. So. Well, okay. <laughs> Is there any other discussion? Okay, seeing that we have a motion and a second, we have this on the floor now. So all those in favor of naming the new Lenexa Elementary School, Lenexa Hills, um, and having the lion as the mascot and the colors of royal blue and gold, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion carries 6-0. Thank you all. Thank you, um, Dr. Henson, for the process. I of think getting I'm aware, Dr. Henson, that the property we acquired for the school slopes down towards Shawnee Mission Park. On the north side, there would be a yeah. gentle slope down the direction of the park, yes, sir. So we'd want to build the school on the high part. Make sure we get it on the hill? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the high part, yeah. Not technical term. Okay. Um, then we move to S1, reports to the board, Dr. Henson. Dr. Atha, if you would, uh, Dr. Atha is already joining me at the podium tonight. I've asked Dr. Atha to share kind of the process uh, behind this, and so remind you of uh, why we started looking at fees in the process that we've been going through. Dr. Atha. Okay. Thank you. Uh, what you have before you this evening uh, are proposed increased rental fees for, for use of school facilities by community groups. These fees have been in place for seven years. The last time they were looked at uh, was in February 2010, and uh, the fees were approved and went into effect in July, July 1, 2010. So they've been in place seven years. Over the last seven years, there's been increased costs to maintain our facilities, custodial uh, costs, and utility costs, and other costs in general. As a matter of fact, utility costs in, in certain given years have increased 6 to 10 percent. 
uh, in a certain year. So we, we've fallen behind over the last seven years and being able to recoup our costs from by, by renting our facilities to community groups. And certainly it's important. I think it's important to the board. It's important uh, that's exhibited in the board's policy to, to make our facilities available to our community. But we want to charge a reasonable fee that, that we can capture our costs. Because at the same time, we want to maintain quality facilities in this school district that can be used by over 27,500 kids. We're behind. We're significantly behind in being able to capture those costs. I regret that this policy wasn't <coughs> visited before now and visited incrementally before now. I do plan on, if the board uh, moves forward with these uh, uh, proposed fees, of revisiting this policy about every two years so that when the fees are passed on to our community groups that are utilizing our facilities, it doesn't hit them as hard as this probably will because this is a significant increase. But do keep in mind, even though it's a significant increase, it falls in line with the school districts around us, naming in name uh, Olathe and as well as Blue Valley. And as a matter, as a matter of fact, I believe Blue Valley, uh, it's my understanding they're going to revisit their fees. So I, I do believe the proposal <coughs> that you have before you is reasonable. It is untimely because it is a significant increase, but we need to capture our fees. And to put it off is just going to delay the inevitable. So with that said, I'm prepared to try to answer any questions that you may have. <clears throat> I have one, Dr. Atha. The, the fees that were um, suggested here, those are just, I mean, do we make money on these, or is this a break-even kind of thing with our facilities? We're, we're trying to break even. Okay. I, I don't believe we're making, making money on this. Um, I guess you could argue that our, our uh, supervision fee of $29 and our security fee of $29 um, possibly you could get that for less out there in the marketplace but it, when we're using our own employees to provide that security and to provide that supervision uh, that's that's what it's going to cost us as a matter of fact we may even be a little light depending on who's doing the supervision or who's doing the the security but that's why administratively for our community groups um, we're willing to waive the security fee and the supervision fee uh, for next year and put the onus for providing appropriate supervision and security on the community group that is renting the facility. Now, to qualify for this waiver, 75% of your kids have to be Shawnee Mission School District residents. The group that you heard from this evening, I believe that easily they have 75% of their students that would meet this. So for that particular group and other groups like them, we would waive 
supervision and security for this year and then if our facilities are appropriately supervised and they're safe these activities then we would renew it the next year because for us to charge those fees it's just a pass-through for us we're going it's going to go they're going to pay the fee and then we're going to pay it out to supervision or security Mrs. Mack. Um, I have a couple of questions. Dr. Atha, so if I look at the top of um, the proposed chart that we have, the proposed increase would not go into effect until next fall. Is that correct? Next school year? It would go into effect July 1 okay. of 2017, but uh, really we don't have too many rentals until the school year begins. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, basketball, they use our facilities primarily November through February. Mm -hmm. And then I have a, a second question. Uh, Mrs. Goodburn, may I uh, ask a question of Mr. Hunter, who spoke earlier? Sure. Just a quick question. Mr. Hunter, you offered that you would answer questions. Um, Gable, nonprofit or for profit? Nonprofit. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just double checking. Double checking. Thank you. Any other questions for Dr. Ava? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We come to T1 board comments. Anybody wishes? Mr. Stratton. Sure. I'd just like to. Uh, Thank all the folks that came before us, uh, all the way from our 5:30 meeting, where we saw and some incredible presentations by students. Um, a couple of the slides that popped up that were, I think, well timed and meaning meaningful to me was uh, finding your voice, and it was neat to see all the different ways that we're using teaching techniques to to help folks find their voice. I think that was a pretty good segue into the conversation that we had after that, hearing some, from some folks and and having them too share their voice. I think that's very important. I think the takeaway from all of these conversations and, and input is continuing to find ways to engage the community. Um, I want to thank the 460-some folks who also supplied us with all the information regarding uh, the school finance formula. And we are embarking on a very important conversation around school finance that uh, is going to come upon us really quick. So I wanted to let you know that we appreciated that as well. I think my takeaway from this is engaging all the voices. We certainly heard from some voices today, very passionate, and um, I want to remind you that we, we are very intentional about hearing from all the voices, all the voices from our teachers to our students and to our patrons. And this is one aspect of it today, and I appreciate that. Thank you, Mr. Shetton. Ms. Mack. Um, earlier this month, I attended the Kansas Association of School Boards uh, Legislative Committee meeting, and um, they went. They were going through all of their policies for lobbying, et cetera. Um, the KASB convention is this weekend, and I did talk to Mr. Mark Tallman and Deb Zila. We'll be sitting in for the legislative committee meeting on Friday night, um, and she and Mr. Stratton are attending, so I'm looking forward to hearing their reports when they return. And thank you. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Okay, Dr. Denny? I move that the Board of Education recess to executive session in order to discuss personnel matters regarding non-elected personnel. How much time do we need? 45. 45? So, the meeting will reconvene at 9... 10. 10. 
No further business will be conducted following the executive session. Second. Second. Um, thank one. you, Ms. Bisfield. That's fine. <laughs> All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed? Okay. okay. Meeting is adjourned.